Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's podcast. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Into Security, the Info Security Magazine web podcast. My name is Dan Raywood. I'm the deputy editor of Info Security Magazine. And Michael Hill here as well. I'm the editor. Delighted you could join us for our latest episode in our podcast series. Uh, so kicking things off then with our usual review of some of the big news stories over the last week or so. Um, I'm going to start with... Um, reports around a 33% surge in financial fraud attempts uh, during COVID-19 lockdown. And this was a piece of research that was uh, carried out by Experian and the National Hunter Fraud Prevention Service. Um, So they actually took a look at types of fraud that had been going on since uh, the UK went into its uh, kind of mandated lockdown about 12, 12 weeks ago now. And they actually found that fraudsters have been targeting various financial products, including current and savings accounts, as they've sought to take advantage of the, of the disruption to both businesses and their customers brought around by the virus outbreak. Um, so across all financial products, fraud, raise, uh, fraud rates increased by a third when compared with previous monthly averages. Um, now, interestingly, the, the largest increase was in fraudulent car and other finance um applications, which saw a rise of 181%. Uh, That was followed by uh, fraudulent applications for current accounts, which saw a 35% uh, rise, and uh, saving accounts, 28% rise. Uh, There was also a rise in fraudulent credit card applications that was up 17%, and applications for unsecured loans up 10%. Um, so obviously, uh, slightly concerning there, I guess, in, in in terms of there's been quite a quite a jump. It is interesting to see that there's been such a big jump with regards to uh, fraudulent car and other um, asset finance applications, 181%. But obviously, a good thing to come out of this, um, as was stated by Experian as part of the research, that it shows that um, fraud fraud teams have been able to spot a lot of this kind of new fraudulent activity that's been going on since the lockdowns um, and have actually been able to to stop it in its tracks, I guess. So um, Mika Wilbrand, who's Managing Director of Identity and Fraud at Experian, said, the rise in fraud rates across each category is a warning that banks, building societies and other financial providers need to be as alert as ever in identifying fraudulent applications, even in the unique circumstances the country finds itself in. So obviously, he reiterated, you know, <clears throat> it's likely that forces have been looking to take advantage of the situation. Um, but his uh, take was that they've actually been largely disappointed. You know, uh, full teams have had greater capacity to flag and investigate openings that otherwise may have gone unchecked, resulting in incidents of fraud being successfully uh, identified. So interesting piece of research there. Uh, Dan, it's not a great surprise, obviously, to, to see um, an increase in, you know, in, in tax and, and frauds uh, around the COVID uh, nineteen lockdowns and all the difficulties that has gone along, gone along with it. That's not, you know, a shock. We, we, we've been talking about that for quite a few weeks now. But it did, I did find the um, numbers quite interesting. One hundred eighty-one percent rise in fraudulent car and other um, asset finance applications. I, it just seems strange. Actually, you know, nearly two hundred percent. I just wonder why that that particular type of um, fr- um, uh, finance application seems to be so high. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it's it's interesting that you say, you know, that 
we've seen these reports which we've published in Info Security around the, the concept of, of phishing going up and the number of detected phishing messages related to COVID-19 have gone up. So in, in the same way, you know, that, that, that I'm sure someone somewhere once said that crime sort of follows a trend or, you know, fraud fraud um, statistics and trends follow, follow the uh, particular societal trends. So it's not really a surprise, but it, yeah, it's interesting with the sort of the car deals and things like mm. that. And it's, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's a shame, but in a way, I suppose it's good that these things are being, you know being detected at all and yeah. um you know yeah I just, I just kind of i just kind of wondered whether that's kind of such a such a big spike there whether there's something about that process which is kind of less less secure or or less um methodical maybe than other kind of um finance applications you know like uh, you know current accounts which only saw 35 percent rise and then saving accounts maybe they're a bit more robust and maybe there's just something about um finance uh, applications for, for cars and other assets like that that just uh, it are kind of easier to try and target i guess i, I, I don't know yeah, they sort of launder your money that kind of way, can't you? Really, I suppose if if it's if it's that if you put it that way, you know, you can put your money in that that sort of system. It's a bit less, maybe a bit less detected or something like that to sort of consider that way. Well, speaking of of things going uh, things going awry, but maybe actually a good news story at the end. We uh, we got a report yesterday from the NCSC, that's the National Cybersecurity Centre, which uh, I'm sure you were aware is the part of the government, uh, yeah, sort of part of GCHQ, and sort of specialist for cybersecurity, which opened I think about four years ago now. Um, and they they announced that they back in April the the launch of a, a suspicious email reporting service where you could flag suspicious emails to them. Now they've actually said they've had a million emails in just over two months actually since it was opened um, this was co-developed with the city of london police and they said in a statement which came out uh, yesterday as we record thursday the 25th that the um that the, the, the service re- receives an average daily of 16,500 emails and uh ncse's Chief Executive Officer, Kieran Martin, who I think is actually going to be leaving his post at some point this year. I think maybe things have changed maybe slightly with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. But um, he called the number of reports a milestone and said it was a testament to the vigilance of the British public. Um, he made the point that the scams we've blocked could have caused real harm. And I'd like to thank everyone who played their part. Um, in terms of the actual uh, statistics then they showed, they actually said that 10% of the scams there they actually were flagged or alerted to were removed within an hour of, uh, of an email being reported and 40% within a day. And also 10,000 um, malicious URLs linked to websites have been removed thanks to these reports. So actually it does show if you re- if you report these, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's to someone like the NCSC or your local uh, you know, security cert, then yeah, action can actually be taken because that's often the big challenge they have is lack of data. Now, the other thing that just about this um, this report from the NCSC said that the of all the online scams they detected, um, the majority actually were related to fake cryptocurrency investment lures. This is quite interesting where investors uh, – sort of promise high returns in exchange for uh, buying cryptocurrency, um, where they masquerade as a crypto exchange or a trader, get people to invest in this. And then, of course, you know, you lose your money because, well, I think it was two or three years ago when Bitcoin had its massive spike in value. That gets to the news. People believe it. Um, but unfortunately, that is being used as a massive lure. But as a result, lots of emails are being um, reported. And I certainly see a number of these emails, especially my spam folder for my webmail with, um, I won't mention his name, 
name, but a very prominent 1970s and 1980s stand-up comedian, um, who majority of people probably haven't even heard of these days. But um, he, yeah, he's being used as a lure. And I'm first of all thinking, well, if anyone read this and didn't know who uh, this particular comedian was, and then you know, we're seeing that, why would they think that's the big lure rather than someone a bit more prominent? But also, I think we're all getting a little bit warned off cryptocurrency investment lures. It, it's a very clever one, but at the same time, it does promise people who you know maybe want to see somewhere they can make a very quick um quick quick um, sort of quick get quick rich that's the sort of term I'm looking for yeah quick quick investment make lots of money very fast that's the solution of course that's not really the way it is so um great news uh, from the ncsc michael that they're doing this that they, it's been such a success but uh mm. still no let up in the in the problems just like with the the fraud in the first story now yeah, yeah, well, that's right. I mean, I remember when this was launched a couple of months ago, obviously, and um, thought it was, you know, a good idea at the time. You'd always wonder with things like this, you know, fishing, first of all, um, there's the awareness piece of people actually spotting it. OK, that's obviously I think that's probably improving all the time. Then you've got the second piece of actually people going to the effort to actually then report it. You know, you never you, you can never quite be sure exactly how that's going to go. But that's, you know, that's quite impressive that it's, it's reached that number already. So it can only be a good thing. And um, yeah, like um like I said in the piece there, it's, you know, stopping um, attacks and scammers, which could have a big impact on people. So it can only be a positive, really. Um, OK, look at another positive angle of things then. There's a piece, uh, piece of research that we covered this week that came from uh, Centrify. So they did um, uh, a survey of uh, senior uh, decision makers in medium and large businesses to uh, gauge how companies are doing with their remote working policies. Now, um, it found that a lot of the respondents were aware that their policies need to be updated. Um, obviously, it, the general kind of finding in the first instance is that companies are kind of quite aware that perhaps their policies were either not ideally set up for the remote work, or the, the mass remote working that's obviously kind of happened. Um, but on the more positive side, um, three quarters of those polled said that they have issued formal guidance or training to staff on, on secure home working, with half now planning to hire new IT or security staff to enhance security processes. Now, that's quite promising, I think, the fact that half are looking to hire new IT security staff um, to kind of help them uh, improve their remote working uh, security strategies going forward. That you know, I, I see that as a huge positive. Obviously, as it's kind of noted in the research there, you know, that how, it, how easy that's going to be given current skill shortages is another issue. Uh, we are seeing more and more companies um, who are kind of reaching out or, or using uh, outsourcers or, or third parties um, to, to help them kind of um, improve their uh, security approach and security structure. So I guess that's that's one way that companies could, could look to do it. Um, I just thought an interesting piece of research there to say that half half of those polled down are looking to to bolster their their security teams with with hiring plans as a result of the move to um, mass remote working that we've kind of become uh, accustomed to. I think that's really really positive actually because we're probably hearing going to hear stories at some point of. of I'm not, and hopefully we won't hear any stories of companies, you know, suffering financial difficulties, but we're probably going to see companies having to sort of lay people off, you know, make redundancies because of the situation where they, you know, they obviously they can't sustain a model that, especially if they're dealing more where they need to be more on premise and, and things like that, people are going to be more available. But this is promising that people are actually going to be looking to hire and there's going to be jobs available because uh, certainly kind of me, me, meeting the two together is going to be the challenge, but um, hopefully that will all work out. 
Well, speaking of me, recruitment issues and um, recruitment recruiters reaching out, we um, the last of our sort of four main stories this week. Um, the idea we, we talked about this uh, the, the piece of research which came out last week from ESET, and the idea of that was it was talking about something what they call Operation Interception. And what it was, they highlighted uh, some state-sponsored attackers, where the um, what they were doing is they were targeting people who worked in aerospace with recruitment ads, and they were going to them and saying, "Here's a job out for here." It's something that's too good to be true, as was flagged by ESET. And once they kind of they got a, a foothold and they got the person's attention, they would send them messages over and over again saying, are you interested? And that, that what they eventually do was send a, a document, which was a PDF, which gave all the details on the jobs they had. Now, of course, it was a genuine PDF and it did have some roles, whether, they, of course, they were genuine or not, we'll let you decide. But what that was able to do was actually get a foothold into that person's computer, was actually uh, deploying some malware, which then connected out to a command and control server and gave the attacker what they call, what ESET called a solid persistent on the system. Now, of course, the PDF was a decoy. Um, it did have expected salaries, but that scheduled task um, automatically launched. And as a result, it was able to download and execute arbitrary content. Um, this went on for sort of some period of a late 2019. And ESA also said the exfiltrated data, which they would collect, of course, from not only the, the victim's computer, but hopefully network, hopefully not networks, I should say, that's what they were aiming for, was placed in a password protected archive and uploaded to Dropbox using a command line tool. So quite sophisticated. Um, there was also some rumors, now this was on the um, the presentation which I attended from ESA, that the actor could actually, the threat actor could actually been the notorious Lazarus group who, who have links to North Korea. They've been attributed as being involved with the Sony Pictures attack and the WannaCry outbreak of a, a few years ago. Um, ESA, I did actually ask a question of ESA if this is actually, if they could give us any more, and they said there was not enough information to definitely attribute these attacks to the Lazarus group, but there were similarities in the code and tactics used. So there's no definite link to, uh, to this particular Act, threat actor but it was quite interesting that they were going for aerospace in particular um we actually once we published the story we actually got an email back from linkedin actually saying could we just clarify um that they were actively seeking out signs of um space on space state sponsored activity on the platform taking action against bad actors and also they have a threat intelligence team which removes fake accounts so happy to sort of clarify that linkedin are actually going out and they they said they utilize a variety of automated techniques um with reviewers to keep members safe yeah they obviously they're, they're doing as best they can but you know sometimes the attackers can be a little bit more proactive than the actual uh the platforms they're using and the defenders that they're actually uh, they're trying they're targeting the victims. So it was an interesting piece of research. They did two pieces of research, one which we call Invisimol, which uh, you can also find on, on Info Security, which we ran on Thursday, the 18th of June. But um, the, the, these lures about people sort of saying, you know, a bit like the financial ones we've just talked about in the earlier stories. This one was about offering a job, which we mentioned just before about hiring. It might be a situation now where people are thinking, well, maybe it's time to look for a job, one that doesn't require me to be in the office. Maybe I have time to earn some more money. I can work remotely. And so someone comes in and says, do you want to work in the same industry, but for a a different company for a lot more money, it could be quite an easy lure. And as a result, great, great spot by ESET, some really interesting um, research. We see lots of things about state-sponsored attackers all the time, but this one was quite an easy one to understand, which uh, I found quite a benefit, actually. But um, maybe, Michael, you know, just be a little bit more sort of uh, careful about what things you're sent and they'll be a bit more careful about what to click on, I suppose. 
Mm. It's an interesting one. I, I think it shows, you know, like we've, you know, we, we touched on um, regularly and as you mentioned earlier, you know, just um, scammers and attackers kind of going with, you know, uh, popular themes and popular stories and, and things that uh, is on people's minds at, at the moment and tapping into that. It, it leads me in quite nicely, actually, to another another piece of research I just want to cite. Um, this is a piece of research that was done by McAfee. Now, you may not have seen this kind of at the top of your news list. It's one of those kind of interesting pieces that, that sometimes uh, doesn't maybe get the coverage it deserved, um, even though we did cover it on on the website earlier this week. Um, so McAfee um, took a look at um, web-based entertainment options to find out which were most commonly targeted uh, with, um, by criminals with, with malware. So they uh, analysed more than 100 of the most popular TV and movie titles available on US streaming sites as defined by best of articles that appeared in a range of US publications. Uh, researchers then hunted down and recorded all the high-risk uh, high websites associated with each entertainment title. Um, shows and movies were then awarded a danger ranking based on the total number of malicious websites with which they were found to be associated um, focus was placed on sites that enabled viewers to access content for free now topping the chart of the most dangerous movies to um, on on that list was the uh, 2011 mixed martial arts uh, picture uh, warrior uh, starring joe egerton and tom hardy um, and when it comes to tv the um the American police uh, show Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I watch actually, is quite a funny show. Uh, that was listed as the riskiest TV show to, 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 to watch via the web. Um, Got an interesting one. Uh, Baker Naranduru, who's vice president of consumer endpoint segment at McAfee, said with consumers increasingly going online to stay entertained during lockdowns, it has created the perfect storm for web crime. Um, he added that threat actors keep a keen eye on which shows uh, are winning the hearts of the public so that they could target their malware for maximum gain. History has proven that cyber criminals follow consumer trends and behaviours to, uh, to educate their scam uh, strategies. Interestingly, it also sort that. Uh, well, the, McAfee also found that the um, criminals were had no qualms about exploiting perhaps even more the most uh, vulnerable people um, in society. So actually, children's movies accounted for four of the top ten movies McAfee identified as at high risk of, of being targeted. Um, there were movies, uh, The Incredibles, Aladdin, The Lion King, and Frozen Two. Um, whereas movies for a more mature audience that attackers tend to target include Zombieland and Swingers. Um, Interesting one, Dan. You know, one of those things. I guess it's a bit lighthearted in a way, but it does also go to show, uh, you know, the dangers that are out there, particularly with, you know, uh, like we say, you know, popular culture, popular things that people like to do with their time, particularly at the moment uh, where we, people aren't going out so much. Um, you know, there are uh, scams and, and, and risks sort of um, lurking. Absolutely, and I interesting you mentioned, like, yeah, sort of the uh, MMA thing there at the uh, with Tom Hardy there, I suppose. I suppose something we could also be considering going forward is, of course, we're not really seeing any films being released for the last three months. If they have, I, I, obviously, I've not seen any because I've not been out. But, um, you know, I'm certainly waiting for a few films to come out this year. And um, as, as a result, I don't know if they're going to get straight to, to Netflix or to Sky or to, you know, whichever providers. But people are going to start searching for them when that, when they do come out. I know the, the James Bond film, for example, was pushed back. But had that have been released, people would have been jumping on that, I suppose. So that's, um, yeah, trends are, are an interesting one when it comes to, I suppose, TV, like you said, mentioned Brooklyn Nine-Nine it's it, it's something that people are going to look for these things because if you if you can get things for free off of video streaming sites then that's where sometimes the scams are uh, are placed 
Well, we're just going to just the last um, story we're going to pick up is actually going to pick up a couple of research um, documents which came to us. We get lots of research press releases here at InfoSecurity. So these two in particular um, were quite interesting, actually. The first one came from F-Secure. Um, they found that nearly four in 10, and so 37% of users were aware of at least one data breach involving an, uh, an, an online service that they use. Uh, they just surveyed actually 4,400 people. It's quite a good sample set um, who said they have 18 accounts on average. And uh, given that 41% said they use the same password and 56% use the same password on multiple accounts, one leak credential could obviously lead to more than a dozen breached accounts. We've seen this problem over and over again. However, just to sort of tie in another piece of research which um, which came to me, this was coming from a company called PCI Powell. They did a survey of 2,000 people, specific to USA and Canada, and found that 64% of people in North America would avoid buying from a company that had suffered a, a data breach in the last three to four months. So they called it a COVID-19 related data breach. I had to go to the company and ask them what they meant by a COVID-19 related data breach, whether it's someone who actually, you know, because of having the disease, they caused the data breach. I hope that's not the case, but they did clarify it happened in the last few months. Um, but majority of people there saying that actually, first of all, that they're saying that they're aware of a data breach of a service that they use, but I guess the suggestion is that they still use it. However, sort of number actually double the number in a different sample set would avoid buying for a company that had suffered a data breach now it's something we've, we've seen over the last kind of few years we see these stories of of a major service that suffered uh, an, um, some sort of outage or some sort of uh, incident. This thing, for example, LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn had a major data issue, as did Yahoo. I personally still use LinkedIn pretty much every day. Um, I'm certainly on that, looking for, for ideas for, for people to participate in things we do. So I, it's something and also promoting what we do on Info Security. So it's something I use pretty regularly. I don't know how much I use Yahoo these days. I'm more of a Google user. But, um, um, but also, you know, that's the situation. You know, people will quickly forget that if there'd been an issue with something, they'll sort of think maybe short term going, well, I'll avoid that company. But once we saw a target that they didn't go away, they're still incredibly strong in the US retail market, as is, for example, eBay. We've had some, uh, you know, they've had some security issues in the past. And we can point to all sorts of companies where there's been security issues, but maybe they kind of, yeah, the sort of the immediate impact is to be slightly negative. But actually, I think people will come back and be positive about them in the future and will continue to use them. So, yeah, I mean, if you do have a security issue, they might kind of customers might be a little bit scared of you at first, but they'll probably come back. And, but they'll probably keep on using the same password by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah, I think generally now there's kind of a, a general attitude that people like transparency and they're more likely to be forgiving um, if a company suffers a breach is honest and open about it, moves quickly to do all they can to mitigate it. Um, rather than, you know, how it is, dragging your feet, trying to cover it up and not being transparent. I think that's what m most users tend to have the bigger issues with these days. Um, okay, well, that's pretty much all the time we've got for this episode then. So we just, we'll just uh, wrap up with a few last points just from our NTA Info Security, what we're doing and what's been keeping us busy. So our full agenda for our next online summit event is now put together. So we've been working the past couple of weeks getting ahead topics together and themes and, and writing the summaries of all the sessions. So we're actually going to start marketing that from next week. Uh, so you'll be able to access on the website there the four agendas for both days. So that's taking place 22nd and 23rd of September. Um, again, we're going to have 14 live sessions over those two days, um, a variety of topics, uh, obviously a, a, a bunch of uh, CPE credits up for grabs as well. So make sure you do take a look at our website. Um, it will be well from when this podcast is live it should be up on the website where you can access the full agendas 
Yeah, it should be. Uh, it's always quite an in, interesting one to work towards that because we, you know, we spend a lot of time preparing the the content, the you know, subjects, and Michael spent a lot of time writing these subjects up. And when we go and, and moderate them, so it's um, it's an interesting one. I'm looking forward to some of the subjects, um, both the ones that I'm going to be moderating and some of the others are doing as well. I think it looks like an interesting time. So, uh, so do check out the website, look out for the dates and the content, and hopefully, like I said, Michael said, there's lots of CPE credits for you to grab. I think something like we do something like over 10 CPEs over the two days, so there's plenty for you to be. Uh, learning from um just one more thing we actually did uh, since we've last done a, a, a podcast actually we did of course we did info security europe it was virtual it wasn't um in person at olympia this year so i felt a little bit reprieved that we didn't have to spend uh, three days in a very hot uh, exhibition space but uh, under usually under hot lights actually because we do a lot of spend a lot of time doing video recording um but one thing we did do as part of that was the launch of the third state of cybersecurity report which came out uh the, the i think it was the third of june which was the wednesday that's been out just over three weeks now as we record um this was something we worked on from i uh, started working on about sort of late february right through till um well research ended about early may we did often went for the writing process put it together and um it, it, it's you know it's, I, yeah, it's a great piece of research i hope you know you you, you can read that it's, it's available for free to download you can you know, read, pick it up you can read it all in one go if you feel so inclined um one thing we did particularly different this year was we um we were trying to sort of really go through three verticals so they were sort of cyber security practitioners academics and uh sort of vcs and investors so it's got quite a, sort of three very clear verticals this year rather than sort of being a bit more uh, alongside the cyber security practitioners so um hopefully you get a chance to read that um i will leak which what well, the top finding this year was actually um the impact of covid19 on the cyber security industry so that was the top finding by by quite some way actually but um again i encourage you to go and check that out it's available to download for free from our um, website and uh, hopefully you enjoy it yep great stuff okay well thanks everyone for listening uh, we're going to wrap this episode up now and we'll speak to you again soon Thanks very much. See you again soon. Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's podcast.